This morning, we're going to be talking about the family of God, the family of God. And we realize uh, a few things. When you think of uh, family, you usually think of your family. You usually think of uh, what your family is. What you, when you have a family get-together, you know what that looks like. And some of you are rolling your eyes right now because you're going, you don't know my family and it's a little bit crazy and uh, I'm trying to kick a few people out of my family and you can come, you can't come, you know, like... Uh, we realize that a lot of times our f- picture of family is from our family. And then, so when God calls us a family, and I, I want to tell you that uh, His real family, all the, the members of it, uh, will be gathered uh, as time concludes and God works out His plan. Uh, it will be gathered into heaven. But for now, uh, we are gathered here together as local churches, the family of God. And uh, we want to talk about life in the family today. I realize that some of you are saying, well, uh, this whole concept of family is kind of weird to me. I, like, I don't like my own family, so why would I want to join another one with bigger, uh, more diverse people? Like, you know, uh, it doesn't sound like a good thing to me. And so this morning, I, I want to share with you seven fatal family thoughts. I realize it's kind of dramatic, fatal. Um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't always do this, but I, I got RJ and Brandon together, and uh, the three of us, we were coming up with a word, what, what we should use, um, and I can't remember what the other two words were, but uh, we were voting on these other two words, and then Brandon came up with fatal, um, and uh, that sounds kind of dramatic, but I want to tell you the implications are dramatic, the implications. If you get a wrong picture of what the church is supposed to be and how you're supposed to participate in it, uh, it could be fatal for you. It could be fatal. It could leave you with an empty heart. It could leave you with a feeling of isolation. It could uh, leave you with this feeling of, I can't make it. Uh, And so this morning, I want to share with you seven fatal family thoughts. and realize that it's dramatic for a purpose. I, I do want to tell you this, too, that there's not just seven of them. I'm just saying that I like the number seven, and uh, I didn't want to go. Ten sounded a bit much for a picnic Sunday, um, but probably there would be 20, and I knew I couldn't talk that fast. I knew I couldn't do it. So anyways, here we are, seven this morning. And I want to start with um, the first fatal family thought was, I don't matter. I don't matter. Uh, maybe you came from a family where uh, maybe it was a large family or there were things going on, and, and you realized and you thought in your mind that I don't matter to this family, that, that I don't have a sense of worth when it comes to this family. Well, that's the most basic thing of all the Bible, basic thing of all the Bible. I know it's a struggle. I, I know it's a struggle for us, the feeling of that I don't matter. Most of you know the verse John 3.16. And in that verse, it shares with us that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He gave His Son, this one special Son. This one that was different than all the rest. The, uh, the theologians say the, the Son of infinite worth. The Son of infinite worth. And He gave this Son... Uh, to go to the cross, that as those who would believe in Him, that they would not perish but have eternal life. It's the idea 
that the because Jesus went to the cross, he was the gift the Father gave, the, the, the love gift, the, the proof of his love for us, that we would have entrance into this family, that we would have eternal life. Your entrance into the family of God was purchased at the price of Jesus, the Son of God. Now, I think about uh, so often, uh, why, do, why does the price matter? Why does the price matter of anything? Uh, you know, supply and demand. I'm going to go back and teach some economic principles this morning. No, uh, price is determined by who will pay it, right? Uh, if they see it as worth it. And so one of the problems that we have is we don't walk around thinking about the price tag. Uh, we would look to the right and to the left. We might show up here in the morning and, and our insecurities take over. And you say, oh, uh, I don't matter. I don't matter. And I want to say, yes, you do. It's shocking to me as well, right? That we would matter. That we would not matter just to one another, but that we would matter to God. That He would love us so much to give His Son of infinite worth. And I just want to tell you that that price tag should sober us. It should thrill us. It should remind us that God cares about us. And so as you think of your place in the family, do not allow yourself to say, I don't matter. I don't matter. I know many of us struggle with that. Say, I don't matter to God, I don't matter to the family of God. I want to tell you that's not true. I don't matter. Second point this morning. We see we're moving along real fast here. Second point this morning. I matter most. I matter most. Zooks. Um, As you think about being in a family, uh, who's most important in a family? Got a family picture. Whose eyes are you drawn to? Who 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 do you care? Whose hair's you know or whatever? uh, uh, Whose hair is looking good? Doesn't have a dumb look on their face. You know, has a smile on their face. Like like you 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 in your mind, you're quickly going to this idea that uh, I matter most. I matter most. Sometimes it's hard because, uh, you know, we do have this tendency to be self-centered. And this morning, you may come in and say, well, you know, I didn't get a very good parking spot out in the, uh, uh, you know, I had to pack, park in the back 40 or something like that, right? And you say, somebody, I, I'm kind of the most important here. They should have a special me parking spot here, right? You might have walked in this morning and said, well, Somebody sat in my spot, trying not to make a big deal out of it, but it is a big deal. Better explain this to the pastor, and they may, must talk about this at the elder meeting. Put it on the agenda. I matter most. I matter most. That's wrong. You don't matter most. In fact, in the book of Philippians chapter 2, in a, a passage that's talking about uh, how to live in light of Christ being 
the one that's worth living for, the joy that we have found in him. In fact, as it, this passage goes on, it says, Be like Christ who gave himself up, who didn't even consider the equality that he had with the Father something to be grasped, but went to the cross. Just before that, he says this. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant. There's this beautiful thing that we're called to in the church. In the family of God is that uh, nobody is more important, but we are called to in a thought process, a thought that, that, that would help us out in our life in the family is to think of others as more important than yourselves. Uh, most of the time, we look to chop one another down so that they're lower than us. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they do this sin and that sin, and I see their bad attitude here and there, and they're, they're not as good as... We, we look to chop them down in, their, in our minds. He calls us to lift others up, to lift others up in our minds, that we would consider others more important than ourselves. What a beautiful thing. And uh, for us in the family, if we think we matter most, that's a bad deal. It's going to affect our relationship, our, our position in the family of God. Number three, fatal family thought. Number three, I shouldn't serve. I shouldn't serve. Uh, you, you know what's a problem? I, I don't know if you've been a guest at someone's house, and it's great to be a guest at somebody else's house, right? You go there, you go over for dinner, and they, uh, they, they have the, the, the table set before you. They say, oh, you'll sit right here. And you, it kind of feels like you're a king or something, right? You sit down, and they say, would you like something to drink? And yes, I would like something to drink. And it magically shows up. And, and then the food is placed before you, and then... I don't know where those dishes go afterwards. Where do they just fly away and you, they're just gone? And there's a sense of being a guest that's a great deal. I want to tell you, uh, unless you're a guest here today, you're family. And, and the idea that you shouldn't serve is not the picture of the family of God. Uh, we, we should all serve. In fact, in... Um, and this is an amazing passage, John 13, verse 14. I want to share with you a little bit about this. This is that, that time where Jesus was with his disciples and he washed their feet. And it, it must have been one of those times. Like I, I realized to say that any time with Jesus was any better than another because they were all probably so amazing. And, and Jesus being with his disciples, he was sharing a meal and uh, there's always a sense uh, of who should do it. And that, that feeling in the church is, is very important for you to get right now. Who should serve? Who should serve in the church? Who should do it? I saw something that needed to be done. Somebody should do that. Uh, some of you have good eyes for things that are wrong. Uh, it's not necessarily a gift, by the way. Um, but... Uh, uh, but, but the idea that you, when you see things that are wrong, uh, you, you say, somebody should report this. You know? Somebody should take care of this. Somebody, the, the person who's responsible should get on this. Uh, what, what happens in a family? 
What happens in a family? Uh, if you see something wrong, you should take care of it. Why? Because you're part of a family. But listen to this. Listen to this. This is from John chapter uh, 13. Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. Um, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says this. He says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What a picture, right? If Jesus has washed your feet, you should go wash one another's feet. If he has served you, and, and by the way, it was a picture of something that no one else could do for them. They couldn't be clean any other way. There was no one else could clean their sin sickness. But Jesus was going to the cross to do so, okay? And so th- this amazing thing, this amazing thing, that Jesus uh, put a visual to that, and he showed them. And, and so uh, most of you like paybacks, right? Um, you know, if, if I would do something nice for you, you know, take you out for dinner, and you'd say, well, we'll, we'll get you back next time, right? We'll get you back next time. And there's this sense of keeping it even, right? Keeping it even. We would have loved to do that for Jesus, right? That we could keep it even. We really can't, right? Our sin debt was uh, greater than we could ever repay. But, but this picture is that Jesus washed their feet. And so uh, in their minds, it would be simple that they would now wash Jesus' feet. But instead, he says, I washed your feet. Now go wash one another's feet. He places us in the family that we should serve one another. We should serve one another, even, even if we don't get it back. Even if we don't get it back. Even if that person doesn't serve us in return. I shouldn't serve. It's a fatal flaw in the family. By the way, um, in a family, uh, if one person doesn't serve, if one person doesn't participate, if one person doesn't do their portion or their part, uh, it just doubles up the work on somebody else. It pushes their work to somebody else. And so this beautiful picture of a family is not that I shouldn't serve, but that I should serve and do what I can. Number four, I can do it all. I can do it all. Um, sometimes uh, uh, we, we love to be self-sufficient. And so the idea of, and we're going to get to working alone in a minute here, uh, but uh, this idea that says, uh, I can do it all, like, like I'm a, I got the big plate. I don't have the child's plate, right? I, I can handle the big plate. Uh, that was a big issue for me in my life, you know. And I can now sit at the big table with the big plate, right? I can handle it. And this idea that says, I don't, I don't need anybody's help. I can shoulder it all. Um, that's not a picture that we get of the family of God. In fact, in a, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, much of uh, the, the picture of what the church is supposed to be it's found in the book of Ephesians, but Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and uh, uh, 16 says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Verse 16, From whom the whole body joined and held together 
by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The picture of uh, what it is to be a part of the church is a body. Is a body. And, and it's such an amazing picture. Because a body, um, we, we don't talk about our body parts separate from the body. Uh, that's my, this is my hand. This is my hand. Well, my hand did it. My hand did it. It wasn't my arm, you know. It was my hand's problem, right? And, and this idea that says my hand saw what it needed to do and then it went about doing it. It, it doesn't make sense. And he gives this amazing picture that we are all parts of the body and we are somehow fitted together to be a body, to do the work, to do what Christ has called us to do in this life. It's an amazing picture. And to say that your finger could do it all is ridiculous. The, 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 the picture that your finger could really do anything apart from the rest of the body. I don't want to get too graphic, but if your finger was not connected, uh, something would be very wrong, right? And... Uh, your finger would be worthless, worthless, apart from being disconnected to the body. So the idea that says, and the faulty, you know, that was one of the words, faulty. The fatal family thoughts, the fatal family thoughts is that I can do it all. I want to tell you, we are a body. The body has parts that are not the same, and the body is called to work together. Which brings us to number five. Which brings us to number five. I'm better alone. I'm better alone. I'm better alone. Some of us, some of us don't like working with one another. I'm better alone. We, we like to be by, by ourselves. I, I realize that most of you are not teenagers here today. And so I want to talk to you about something that really grinds our gears, okay? How many of you like hoodies? When, when kids put on their hoodie, how many of you like that? Uh, how many of you like when uh, the, with the double combo, you put the hoodie on and then you put your earbuds in? How many of you like, uh, maybe you have teenagers or grandkids, when they put their hoodie on then they put their earbuds in and then they go sit in their room apart from the rest of the family? Boy, does that grind my gears. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, some of you are like that without the hoodie, without the earbuds. Uh, you, you like to go and to be alone. And when others show up, you bail out. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want to, I want to tell you that this, we've looked at this in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm just bringing it up again, okay? In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, two are better than one. That, that's not about cookies right there, okay? That is not about cookies, that's about people. That's about people. And, and the idea of us working together, working together, is a picture of what God wants us to do. And I, I want to tell you, try to, try to get this going. Some of you say, well, I just work better alone. No, you don't. No, you don't. Scripture says otherwise. It's not good for you, and it's not good for the person you're not including. And so I want to encourage you. In the church, in the church, this picture for us is, 
not that we would be alone, that, that we are not better alone. We are better together. We are better together. Number six. Sorry about that last one. I sucked you in talking about hoodies and stuff like that, right? You're with me until I said that was you. Um, and, and really, I, I always think of Pastor uh, Mike. Uh, he used to always talk about uh, we're not meant to live inside our heads. We're not meant to live inside our heads. We're meant to live with one another, talking about life, sharing life with one another. And we are not better alone. Uh, number six, number six. Uh, it doesn't matter if I'm home for dinner. It doesn't matter if I'm home for dinner and you're saying, what? You know, I want to tell you in a family, uh, dinner's an important time. It's the time where we meet together. Um, can't have dinner together all the time. There's things going on. There's schedules and this and that. But uh, in the church, in the church, I'm not talking about the picnic this afternoon, but I'm kind of talking about the picnic this afternoon. I'm talking about us being together right here, right now. Um, I, I want to talk. This is a meal. This is a meal that we are sharing. You say, well, you know, where's the food? Uh, I want to tell you, this is us gathering together, hearing from God. I, afterward, I hope that you talk with one another. and I meet with those people that you know and connect with them and this idea, how was your week and what's going on? And if there's burdens and fears that we would be together, this is God's design. It's not just that we would be present together, but that we would be sharing life together. Um, some of you say it doesn't matter uh, if you're home for dinner. It doesn't matter if I go to church. It doesn't matter if I go to Bible study. It doesn't matter uh, if I'm part of the youth group. It doesn't matter if I come for Sunday school. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I won't be missed. It's not something that's important. I want to tell you it is. The book of Hebrews chapter 10, and this particular passage is not talking about Sunday morning. Uh, but as I've said before about other things, it's not not talking about Sunday morning either. Right? It's the idea that we would seek to be together. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24, it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's a powerful couple of verses. Vital, vital for us. Uh, vital that we would uh, be able to make it in this world. There, there's a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, uh, as we come together, we're supposed to encourage each other. Uh, our purpose in gathering together is for us to encourage one another. Uh, we need the encouragement. This is what I was sharing with about our students that are heading back to school. They need our cheering on. By the way, uh, if you're wondering what you should do when you gather together with the church, you're supposed to encourage one another. Uh, it, it doesn't say anything in, about in this, these couple of verses about the gift of discouragement, right? Uh, we, don't, we don't need any more discouragement. I got plenty. How, ma how many of you got plenty? I'm good. You know, I'm good. I'm filled up with discouragement. I'm looking for the other one. I'm looking for the other one to encourage one another. And this is the point of gathering together 
is we're considering how to stir one another up to be what God wants us to be, to love and good works. And we're to encourage one another. And I find it interesting. Our meeting together, this is what we do. We encourage each other. It's our food, uh, our food fuel to the end. And the end matters, right? The day is drawing near. Um, I, I want to tell you, that uh, the, the last part of the marathon seems to be the hardest. That's what I've heard. Um, I, I, I want to tell you, I, I see it in some of you, that you, you, you say, you know, I, I, I'm just laboring, and some, sometimes life is difficult, and I, I feel like it's getting more, more difficult. The days go on. I want to tell you, that's true. That's true. Why? The day is drawing near. The day is drawing near. And so there's this idea that we would increase our encouragement. We would increase our uh, desire for one another to grow in uh, love and good works. That we would increase meeting together. Why? Because the day is drawing near. To get more serious about it as the day is drawn near. And lastly, um, I don't belong. I don't belong. We started off talking about, I don't matter. The last point I want to give you is, I don't belong. I don't belong. I don't belong in the family. I don't belong in the family. Uh, Maybe you've struggled with this in your own family. You've said, oh, they don't like me here. They don't like me here. I don't fit in. I don't belong here. I know that... um, Many of you uh, have, uh, with your own parents, you've been rejected and uh, you've suffered uh, the estrangement of not being with your parents that love you or your parents have somehow hurt you as time has gone on. I want to tell you, please turn to Galatians chapter 4. The picture of the gospel is so beautiful, so beautiful. And, and it's hard for us to uh, understand the riches that are found and granted to us in the family of God. And, and for some of you, you would say, I don't belong in the family of God. You might even look to others and say, well, they belong, but I don't belong. I've heard from uh, many who have uh, been in the foster system I've, I've watched people who have been adopted and them struggle with my birth parents here and, and what about this? But this passage is so beautiful. And for us to remember that we do belong. Why? Because of what Christ has done. In Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 4, and really these chapters here really talk about our position that God has granted us or gave us. Uh, because of what his son Jesus did. In Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, it says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoption as sons. Um. First verse talks about the fullness of time, meaning when it was right on God's calendar that he looked at his watch and he says, this is my time. 
I'm going to work out my plan. I'm going to send my son to die for sinners. And so he, he sent his son. He sent his son to fulfill the law, uh, to redeem those who were under the law. But it says that so we might receive adoption as sons. What a picture. What a picture. Uh, Galatians is a book, a, a heavily Jewish book. And the Jews struggled uh, with both, thinking themselves small in the world, but overestimating uh, their spot with God as well. They struggled with both. And he says, he says to them, the fullness of time, when, when it, was, it was part of my plan, he sent forth his son, why? That we would be adopted as sons. Now, now there's a possibility a Jewish person will go, wait a minute here. I'm not the one that needs to be adopted. And he says, yes, you are. Because of your sin, because of uh, what you've done, you're outside of my family. And he says, you're adopted as sons. You, you this morning here, we might struggle with this picture that, that we are truly sinful and outside of the family of God. We might struggle with that. We might say, I, I came from a great family. You know, uh, you know my, my dad was a pastor or my mom, you know, she led Bible study fellowship or, uh, you know, I grew up in the church. My grandparents, there was a a room named after them or something like that, you know. Uh, you might think those things, and it might think, cause you to think in your mind that uh, I'm part of the family of God because of my heritage. But he didn't use the word birthright, which, by the way, birthright ain't that big of a deal either. What have you done for your birthright? <laughs> you didn't put it on your calendar to be born, Right? You didn't say, I think it's a good time to be born. I'm going to, uh, with all my exertion and you know, other people, I don't want to go into too much detail there, but uh, birthright, uh, just being born in a family, uh, we didn't do anything for that either. But, but know this, that he chose to use and give the picture adoption outside the family of God, needing a family. He says we were adopted as sons. That as sons, he's underlining the fact that uh, they don't just need another hand around the farm. They don't just need, you know, another person to go get, you know, this or set the table. Adopted as sons. What, what is it to be a son? It's to be an heir. As you go on in this passage, verse 6, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Now we have, uh, we were outside of the family of God. Now we have this tender and beautiful uh, relationship with the Father that we are His intimate child, that we have access and relationship with the Father through the Son. And he goes on to even more in the next verse. He says in verse 7, So you are no longer a slave, that's what you were, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. All the riches of the Father are ours because of what Jesus did on the cross, because we were adopted. And because we are adopted as sons, as sons and daughters, we are full heirs. 
And because we are full heirs, all the, the riches of the Father are ours. We belong. We belong. Real quickly this morning, I just want to say family entrance. How do I get into this family? You may come here this morning and you say, well, I'm not really, I'm not really in. Like, how do I get into this family? It sounds like a good deal. It's real simple. You trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Your sins are many. So are ours. So are ours. Right? All of us here. Our sins are many. The only way we can be forgiven is that we would trust in Jesus what he did on the cross. That's the only way. As we trust in Jesus, what do you do then? You come. You come. You show up with the family. You come. And then what do you do? You participate. You participate as a family member. When we're doing something. We're all doing it together. When we're going on vacation, we're going on vacation together. We're working together. We're, we're laughing together. We're show, sharing the joys and sorrows of life together. This is what a family does. Trust in Jesus. Come. Participate. Let me pray for us. God, thank you this morning uh, for all that you've done. Thank you for the riches of being a part of your family. And God, this morning, I ask that for those who are struggling to find their place and to find their spot, Lord, I pray that you would be doing your work in uh, them right now uh, through your word. God, I pray that this is encouragement. I pray for this day that it would be a blessing to all, uh, that we would understand the riches of being part of your family. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you all at the lake. We'll see you later.